Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody, Joe McCall here. I just wanted to bring something up real quick before we start the podcast because I'm not sure I made it very clear in the podcast itself. This was a fantastic interview with Tom Kroll, one of the best that we've ever done. And part two, which we're releasing next time, is even better. Um, but there were two really cool free bonuses that we made available in this podcast. And I want to make sure you're very clear on how to get that. Um, so the first thing that we offered was the actual postcard that Tom Kroll uses from yellowletters.com. And uh, he's having great success with that. The other thing is we gave you two kind of coupon codes. Um, one of the coupon codes that I use a lot at click to mail and I'm sorry, the coupon code that I use at yellowletters.com that will save you 5%, which can be significant if you're spending $1,000, you know, that's 50 bucks. That can send you another, um, I don't know, 100 postcards, let's say. Excuse me. So that coupon code's really good. That is in the downloads. The other thing is, uh, Tom has a special account with Listability where you can get a discount if you use his link. And I'm not sure what the discount is yet, but um, it's it's good. And so to get those three things, the postcard that Tom's using, the coupon code for yellowletters.com, and the kind of coupon discount that Tom's getting at Listability, you got to go to the show notes, and there'll be a link in the show notes on how to get these bonuses. And you'll put your name and email in that, and the next window will take you right to that stuff, okay? So I just wanted to make sure you knew about that before we go into the podcast here. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Got another great episode for you here. We have a good friend, Tom Kroll, and we've interviewed him before on the show. But uh, he's got some really cool things, and I'm, I'm excited about sharing them with you. But uh, Alex... You there, man? Yes. How, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, looking forward to another great episode. Uh, it's always good to go back and talk to people that we've talked to in the past and review their successes and see how uh, and how see how real estate's changing their lives. And that's you know definitely the case here. Well, Tom has made some huge progress, and I can't believe it's been almost two years since he's been since he started wholesaling. And um, I think wasn't it Matt? I mean Tom the um, it was a month before Christmas, wasn't it? In what was that, 2012? It was. It was. You got laid off a month before Christmas. On wow. my 13th year wedding anniversary, on top of it. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that a little bit and then talk about some just the things that he's learned since then and some awesome things he's doing with VAs right now. But uh, guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get our fast cash survival kit. And um, usually, I think what, we, what we'll have here, and I haven't figured it out yet, Tom and Alex, you can help me. At the end of each episode, I'm trying to put something special together, some kind of bonus, either a checklist or an action item list or a special video or spreadsheet or something that we can give to people if they want to go to the show notes to get. So be thinking about that. But normally, at the last, we've been doing this for the last couple, three episodes now. Uh, we'll have something free available for you that you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, look up this show and, and you'll find it there. What that is yet, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Cool. Well, um, 
Let's see, anything else? Yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. We haven't really been asking for those lately. And uh, we used yeah, to... Yeah, let's get some more reviews up there. Well, it's been a while that uh, I've, I've not been reading them, but we are always looking for good reviews. Uh, you know, let us know if you like us, if you don't, or, or what. But uh, I'm looking right now the, um, um, for the reviews, and I, I'll show you, I'll read maybe the recent one, the most recent one to you. I'll read it to you, but yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of podcasts out there right now. A lot of guys that, um, you know, are, uh, doing really well, uh, in their podcasting. Our last one is from two months ago. This is from, I can't pronounce the name, but it says, dig it. Great podcast. Very informative. (laughs) Alex, I think it's about time to invest in a good mic. Who said that? (laughs) (laughs) I can't pronounce the name. It's O-I-H-A-D-S-V-O. O-H-I-D-S-V-O. Time to invest in a good mic, huh? Yeah, hmm. yeah. I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> this one is by a Trey Brewer. Trey Brewer. Thanks for all you do. The tools and info giving in these podcasts is what makes you guys number one in my book. I love your spreadsheets. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Charlie Buys Houses. Great podcast. Glad you guys are back on it. Just wanted to say thank you. I've learned so much from you guys. Carlos in Dallas, Texas. All five-star reviews. Great. Appreciate that. So leave us some more reviews, would you? Uh, before I have to go buy some on Fiverr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just we kidding. Can, we can get an army of people to give us some good reviews. <laughs> you might not understand them, but, right. you know. <laughs> oh, well, cool, man. Um, anything else, Alex? Or we just jump in and talk to Tom? Let's talk to Tom. Let's see what's going on. Tom. Come on, come on. <laughs> Tom in Port St. Lucie, Florida. How long have you how long have you lived there, man? I've lived here just about ten years now. Okay. Awesome. And uh it's a small community, isn't it? It's teeny tiny. <laughs> and you have been successfully doing deals for the last couple of years. And like so can you really do deals in a small little neighborhood like that? Yes, absolutely. Little sleepy town. Tons of deals available. Nice. Not a lot of competition. Not that I believe in competition, but it's uh, there's not a lot of guys out there wholesaling in my territory. In fact, one of the things I've we've talked about before is that you you you're running out of people to mail to. Is that is that right? I am. I am. You know, I I, I talk to um, you know other wholesalers, and they'll say, "Well, I mailed my whole world this month," and they'll talk about numbers. Like a hundred, two hundred, and three hundred thousand people. My whole world is twenty four thousand five hundred. <laughs> wow! So that is that number of homes, or is that like that's list? That's the number of homes that I would qualify as they have enough equity to mail to. So I think there's about a hundred thousand. Um, that's not bad. That's about no. the size of my world uh, in these little seven cities here. That's oh, that's is that not right? Bad. Yeah. Glad to hear it. There you go. Good, good. Well, absentees, I guess I would say. But on the free and clear side, if you want to call it free and clear, there's probably there's probably more. But that's a you know the bulk chunk of the absentees, and I probably cycled between about fifteen thousand of them. So don't be afraid to uh, to mail. And like I said, if you mail from a different angle, from a branded standpoint to an unbranded standpoint, you might change your world. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You you got me on the hook. <laughs> we were we were just talking about that before we started recording. Um, the I hope I am recording. Okay, I am. <laughs> just, Good idea, Joe. I just checked. <laughs> we were talking about like uh, Alex has eight hundred fair offer, 
And um, and you do too, Joe. I do, yes. And I, I did use it. I tested it um, a month ago. I'll tell nice. you about that in a minute. Um, so you get a, you're going to get different responses when you're using a branded um, phone number or website like that, right? Because it, it's good to do both because you may send out the same postcards to a thousand people and somebody who won't respond to a local number because it doesn't look professional enough will respond to a professional looking postcard and phone number because they know it's more of a, a professional business, whatever. So uh, I, I, I highly recommend doing both. Would you agree, Alex? I would a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, why not? Why not approach the market from two different angles? Um, a lot of people are out there just doing the uh, absentee postcard with the tons of verbiage on it. Uh, looks like who in the world sent this to me? People call out of curiosity, um, and it works. I do it too. But you also approach it from a different angle. You'll get people that uh, you wouldn't have gotten before. So. Well, if you like more deals, um, it's worth a shot. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing because um, I, I, we, I, um, Tom was going to interview me on his new podcast, and we'll talk about that in a minute. It's, it's what's it called? Hot seat wholesaling, Tom. Hot seat wholesaling. Hot seat wholesaling. And what he does there is interview people who are doing real deals, and so he'll ask you specific questions about the deal, and you got to talk about it. So um, the deal that I was going to be talking about. Um, and I'm not going to be talking about this deal. I'll be talking about something else, but it came from an 800 fair offer marketing campaign that we did. Boom. Yeah. Well, here's the crazy (laughs) thing. Um, I do get fewer calls with my 800 fair offer. When I put that on my postcards, I get fewer calls, but it all goes back to this whole quality versus quantity thing. And I, this is something I keep on wrestling with like, okay, should I use the ugly postcards or I use professional letter? Um, should I use a local phone number? Should it say 24-hour recorded message or not? Should I use an 800 fair offer or not? What should I do? Well, um, I was I, I tested it with an 800 fair offer and a local number, and I did get more calls with the local phone number. But, on but you this, used a different piece as well, right? So no, it was the same piece. But just changing the number? So you didn't do like the branded flashy look at me postcard type of thing with all the colors on well, it you this just... this was actually post-it notes oh okay I put, I put it on a post-it note and i did get more calls with the local phone number but i'd done more deals with the branded 800 fair offer number nice and i think i did few i'd have to look at the numbers but um it's all about quality and i i am convinced now and we'll see where i am in 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 a couple months but I, right now, I'm at a point where I much prefer quality versus quantity. Hmm. And um, so I, I may be wrong, but my, my little test so far, I've done better with quality. And f- for example, I used to do a postcard, and I still do it, this ugly, obnoxious postcard that just says, hey, I want to talk with you about your house. It doesn't say anything about I'm an investor. You know, It just says, hey, call me. We've been trying to reach you about your house. And doesn't say I'm an investor. I want to buy your house. I'll give you a fair offer. And then I've been testing also with postcards that are um, more. Hey, I'm an investor, and I'll pay you a fair price for your house, and I'll I'll close on any date you want. And the more you probably got benefit. like a fifty percent response rate on you. Call me about your house because I mean, just call me. Hey, I saw your house, and I want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's scary. <laughs> so yeah, well, I got a ton of calls with that. Oh postcard. my. Ton of calls. I mean, we're talking about sometimes ten to fifteen percent response rate. 
Yeah. Which is huge, right? Um, but the problem is now you got a bunch of hacked off people. And then you also have a bunch of leads to sift through. And we did get a lot of deals from it. In fact, here's the I do this is something we did look at. Um over a period of time, I think maybe a couple months, I did four deals with the obnoxious postcard and four deals with the investor postcard. Okay. Nice. And the investor postcard says, Hey, um, I you know, I'm an investor, I want to buy your house, give you a fair offer and all that stuff, right? Um, but you look at the call volume. So I did four deals with each of those postcards, right? But I probably was at about a half, 50% of the calls total that came in with my investor-friendly postcard. So I was making, Tom, you talk about this a lot. You're, you're more concerned with conversion rates rather than response rates and the big yeah. difference. So I do better. I, I, I get the same number of deals, but I get fewer calls, fewer hassles, fewer administrative headaches when um, I do the more investor-friendly postcard. Does that make sense? Think about this too. Uh, when you send out a, uh, let's say, a 1-800-FAIR-OFFER branded, colorful postcard, are you going to get the angry people saying, oh, you're targeting me, you shouldn't be calling me, and all that stuff? They do. They just throw the postcard away because it looks like something from DirecTV or um, their local pizza shop or something like that. You know, yeah. you're, When you individually mail merge people's names onto things, that's when you get all that kind of thing. And then, you know, it's up to you if you try to sift and sort those out. But you can just send a massive campaign with uh, with fair offer like that and not have to worry about all the angry people because you're just not going to get those calls. Right. Well, what's the point and all? What are we trying to say? I think you need to do you need to do it all. You need to do as much marketing as you can. I still don't like post-it notes, even though we're going to make like 15 grand on this deal that came from a post-it note. Um, our response rates were really low and I'd much, you get a much better return on your marketing dollar with postcards. Right. Um, and, and generally speaking, ugly. Now, yellow. Here's the question though. Was uh -huh. that post-it note a absentee or a homeowner occupied? It's just a blanket. We blanketed the neighborhood. So you, well, obviously it was probably, that was a home homeowner occupied yes. property, right? Well, you know what it was? Uh, it was a guy. Do you know how much mail you would have had to send to find that needle in a haystack? Well, um, yeah, that's a good point. And how much it would have cost? Well, here's the thing. It wasn't even the homeowner that we did the deal with that got the post-it note. It was a neighbor who got the post-it note. He knew his his friend or neighbor or somebody that's how that works. was yes. having some issues. And he said, hey, I just got this post-it note with an 800 fair offer on it. Because he thought of the, he, he probably remembered 800 Fair Offer, right? Well, do you think he said, hey, what's the phone number to 1 800 Fair Offer? <laughs> <laughs> well, so this, there was a friend or a neighbor gave it to the guy who had his house he wanted to sell. And it was one of the easiest deals we've ever done. But um, so, yeah, just when I think I've got it figured out, you know, um, something else changes. Or I hear somebody else that's doing something that's working really well for them. And then I'm like, oh, what you know should you do? But um, Tom, I'm looking forward to talking to you, Tom, because you you analyze and test everything and track everything down to the to the dot and tittle. And That's awesome. uh, so um, enough of us talking, Tom. Are you still there? I'm still here. <laughs> okay. Interesting conversation. He didn't hang up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about you, man. Let's talk about what's going on in Port St. Lucie. It's a small little community. There's probably not a lot of deals there, right? 
Well, we're, we're, we're getting ready to do, uh, we, we did a, quite a number of deals actually. There are a lot of deals. So that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's surprising how many, uh, deals you can actually do with such a small territory. So it's, it's now, okay, just, but talk a little bit about, cause your brother, Todd, Todd Toback in San Diego, yeah. um, when you were, you got laid off and, uh, you finally decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in both feet into this wholesaling thing. And you really struggled, didn't you, at first, like telling Todd, hey, this doesn't work. Are you crazy? This, this, my oh, market's yeah. different. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was my 13 uh, year wedding anniversary. It was a month before Christmas. And I was sitting in my office. I got fired. And I know a lot of people know the story, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how these things work. I, I started doing what everybody does. I just put my resume out there. And uh, Todd called me up. He said, hey, I heard you got fired. <laughs> Because are you gonna, are you gonna get the wholesaling now? Because <laughs> you had been talking about it before, right? Oh yeah, he. You know the problem I had. My biggest hurdle was who the heck in their right mind is gonna sell a house for forty or sixty cents on the dollar? And uh, that was really, you know, I, I I kept telling him. I said, look, you're in a very big territory with that many people. You're just getting lucky. It's not a business, you know, wholesaling really. It's a nice hobby, but you really can't do anything with it. I mean, meanwhile, at the time, he was making like a lot of over a million dollars a year wholesaling. So I should have took his advice a lot sooner. Right. But uh, but yeah, he's uh, you know he he kept me in kicking and screaming and you know the the um, without getting into too much detail about my neighbors here when right on that first week when I was, was just considering and not really convinced, uh, I had a neighbor who came over just by happenstance and happened to be in a very desperate situation and had to sell immediately a, a house that uh, they owned. And uh, that was it from there. And then we just, once I was convinced, it was like a rhinoceros. I couldn't be stopped. <laughs> now, you, you've also made the comment before I've heard you say that sometimes your second deal is the hardest. And so you, you, had, you had some real success um, at first, but it was sometimes a struggle, wasn't it, even after that? It was – I still agree to this day that the second deal is actually harder than the first. I think with the first, you have so much tenacity. You just kind of get beginner's luck. You don't know what you don't know and that can be a huge ally. Um, I remember my, my first deal. I mean you know, the, the, I forgot to tell the buyer that the buyer pays closing costs. So I was, I was, I mean, it was, it was crazy. So they went around the table. The seller said, well, I'm not paying them. And the buyer said, well, I'm not paying. I said, well, I'm definitely not paying them because it's more than my assignment fee. Wow. <laughs> so I, uh, I literally had to get in my car and follow this, the buyer home, uh, to get cash because the cash he was going to give me for my assignment fee, which I don't recommend getting assignment fees and cash at the closing table and sitting at the closing table. But, uh, I had to literally get in my car and follow him to his house so that he could go into safe and take cash out for the rest of my assignment fee. It was pretty awkward. <laughs> How much was that assignment fee for? It was tiny. I think it was two thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, and that was pretty much the closing cost. And he had brought just enough money for the closing and my assignment fee, not anticipating that he was going to have to pay the closing cost. Um, so that was an awkward car ride back uh, to his house. <laughs> when but you yeah, guys. You guys should listen to uh, our earlier interview with Tom in uh, at realestateinvestingmastery.com. But also, your brother's podcast is No Limits Investing, right? NoLimitsPodcast.com. Right. I think there was at least four or five interviews he did with you there. Yeah, but we uh, actually kind of – he as he was coaching me, took me through step-by-step step how to do it. And we a lot of it's outlined there, but it was – 
it was yeah so you could actually see the progression of going from really not knowing anything to getting a few deals under my belt and it is the second deal is harder. I think it's a roller coaster ride because your marketing is not really in sync with the calendar yet. So mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it so difficult. And you're hesitant to spend money on on more marketing when you get your first deal because you really think you got lucky. So this is a whole there's a whole group of issues that make the second deal a little bit more difficult. I remember one of the things he had you do was um, did he help you? Were you focused on finding buyers first, or were you trying to go out and find sellers first? I was focused on finding buyers first, and I fought him the whole time on that because my theory was, why the heck do I need customers before I have any products? So I said, let's get the product first and then worry about it. So, But I will tell you, that was a total game changer. Um, what I know now that I didn't know then uh, was obviously the guy with the biggest cash buyer list wins, and, and you know that's for a lot of reasons. But even when my pipeline was low, I would just call around to wholesalers and say, hey, do you have anything that's just sitting there that I could co-wholesale with you? And because I had so many cash buyers, at the time, even more than the wholesalers that were around um, had, I really focused on that cash buyer list. I was able to do deals without even having to find motivated sellers, which was, at the time, a huge payoff because I was literally, I mean, things were tight financially back then. So uh, that was, a, that was a, a huge benefit. So would you still recommend that to somebody just getting started, focus on building your buyers list first, finding out what I, they want? I do. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think, you know, and what I what I coach now is there's two different kinds of buyers list. There's an initial buyers list. I mean, we can go into this, but it's it's, you know, I really feel that the best buyers or what I would say the most profitable buyers for a wholesaler are the buyers who are purchasing through real estate agents. Um, you know, the analogy I always give is, uh, you know, I say if you're standing in a room and you've got an experienced rehabber, an experienced landlord, and then someone who just wants to get into real estate investing and calls an agent, uh, the person who is going to, where your biggest margin is going to come through is from the agent. So one way I just, I, I say, hey, let's go out, go to see every agent's office in town and every broker and just ask permission to have them added to your cash buyer list. And that typically will give you a good little base of initial agents and cash buyers that you can, you know, obviously go to real meetings and auctions and things like that. And then you just want to go out and find a buyer right away, a seller right away. But yeah, that initial cash buyer list is key, especially with agents. That is huge. I was just having breakfast with a guy who's my competition actually here in St. Louis, but we're good friends. He lives in Canada and he's investing in, he's buying deals out here in St. Louis. But he kind of does his own marketing, but it was interesting what he... Is that Justin? Yeah, it is. Oh, wow. Justin Lee's a real good guy. Um, he flies here, you know, just check on his properties. And then also um, he's he's trying to build an acquisitions team here. But um, the point in that is uh, don't be afraid of your competition or look at your competition, Alex. With <laughs> I love my competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're not your competition. They're your partners, kind of, for the most part, right? <laughs> Anyway, I give Alex a hard time about that because he's real sensitive about his market. Right? I'm not sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so uh, one of the things Justin was talking about was to building his buyers list. One of the things he's been starting to do is uh, having his acquisition guy look up a property, like if they have a property under contract, look up all the homes in the MLS that sold in the last six months in that area. And then call the realtors who brought in the buyers for those properties. Because if you go into the MLS, 
you can find out who the, the buyer's agent was and uh, just picks up the phone. And by the way, this is an important point. Sometimes we rely too much on our uh, emails and you know we, we don't ever pick up the stupid phone and call people. So um, that's what he's been doing. And he's been doing really, really well with that. And when you do that, you find, just like what you said, Tom, you find those buyer, those, those realtor MLS buyers. And right. a lot of times they are better buyers. Well, you know, we work, we work so hard on the front end to lock up the property for as low as possible. To me, it's really like a tragedy to just, you know, give it away to some, you know, rehabber who's been doing it for 30 years. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that I think they're good. But when you're calling like a handful of buyers, you're not creating that competitive situation. The, 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 real, the, the people who want to get into investing and they are calling an agent for a quote unquote good deal, they can't even conceive of a wholesaler's price. It's not even in their spectrum of what they're looking at. So very good point. Yeah. And that's what makes them such good buyers. And you know, I I I hate to say the analogy, but you know, the truth of the matter is if our if our most profit comes from the inexperienced in real estate seller, the same is true for the buyer. I want the buyer who's new, wants to get into investing and and has an agent and says, hey, give me a good deal because an agent to an agent, hey, five percent below what's active is a good deal. So that's great. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's how I, that's what I feel. Here's the cool thing. He was saying that uh, some of the realtors, he says, yeah, his script basically is kind of like, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I am anyway. It's too late. Uh, the script kind of is like, hey, you know. Um, uh, I'm, my name is Joe. I'm an investor, and I saw that you had a client that recently purchased the property um, at One Two Three Main Street. Um, he isn't looking for any more deals like that, is he? You can whatever. That's what he just basically asks. And sometimes um, these realtors will say, uh, "Yeah, yeah, he probably is." You want his name and phone number? Absolutely. There you go. And then you have the connection when you call that buyer up. You can say, "Hey, I just talked to so and so, who is your agent on this other deal." It gives you a foot in the door, right? Instead of just a blind cold call, you can well, talk to them about, "Hey, I talked to your so and so who recommended that I call you." You know, I'll tell you. I mean, to me, and this is like a game changer. Is that with agents, they get so much mail that when we first went out and we were asking permission to add them to our cash buyer list, the most important information was the phone number because now what we're doing is we use call fire and we send them a group text blast and we just say, hey, I just sent you a house. Did you see it? And that's it. <laughs> and the phone literally will shut down and reboot <laughs> because you'll get so many phone calls. I think we only, on the last one we did, we sent it out you know, to I think 90 or 100 agents and it was almost 100% callback rate, either a text response or uh, a phone call back. I, th I thought you were using that app uh, for your, in your iPhone called Group Text. I was uh, I was using that, but it I had a few issues with it when we upgraded to uh, when we upgraded to the iOS eight. Okay. So then we started using the Call Fire. It's just a little bit more advanced technology. Um, with the iOS eight, if you don't use it properly with Group Text, the issue is that you can actually accidentally send it out to everyone, and they can all see there in a Group Text. If that happens, if one person responds, everybody sees it, and then people ask to get taken off the list, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> so, ah. um, but the texting—I mean, to me, email is nice to have, but texting is 
And that goes for the cash buyer list also. I mean, it's absolutely 100% hit rate. You get every single person. Um, you know, I can't tell you in the past how many times we would send out an email and then the buyer would call and they'd say, oh, you know, I'm looking for a property. And I'd say, hey, did you just see that house on SunGlow? He's like, oh, no, I didn't even get that. It must have went in my spam folder. It must have went in my junk folder. Um, that's especially true for agents. Yeah. Although that's what, that goes back to what I was saying before with um... – picking up the phone and calling people. I mean, it's, it's something that we've just forgotten to do. It's, it takes a little bit more work, but you're always going to get a better response when you do that. Yeah. Speaking of text, Tom, and you were talking before about, um, we interviewed a guy named Ken Gills on our podcast a few months ago. We've gotten really, really good feedback from that. Um, one of the things he does in there is he puts in his yellow letters, uh, call me or text me at this certain phone number, right? And have you have you been testing that? You were saying some some pretty good results. You were having some pretty good results with that. I have. I just said that. Actually, I'm looking on my desk for the envelope so I can read it to you. But essentially, what we did is I called up Michael at yellowletters.com and we I asked him basically for the standard yellow letter with the handwritten envelope. Um, I followed Ken's advice exactly, and what we did is where it said please call. Um, I think it says it twice in the letter. I don't have it in front of me. I don't think. Um, it, what we did is we just said, please call or text me at, and I put my number, um, and we used a call fire number. So far, the response has been fantastic. Um, it looks like the mail started hitting on Friday, and um, I guess it would be Friday. So we on Friday, we just got one response, so I know the mail started to hit. Then between uh, Saturday and today, it looks like we've got about 70 phone calls. Um, I'd have to check now for an update, but they're coming in. So it was 1,683 pieces. So I just did a very small test. And so far, the response has been great. What I love about the text messaging is it kind of gives those people who don't like to pick up the phone and call someone and get someone picking up or having a conversation. It's sort of like your 24-hour recorded message where there is not much of a commitment. So they just send a text and it kind of opens up the conversation a little bit more slowly right. and, and gently. Would you mind sharing that yellow letter with us? No, not at all. I mean, it's, it's the standard yellow letter at, uh, at yellowletters.com. It's just the, the standard one. And okay. the only line difference is please call or text me at that number. Yeah. Well, Michael Quarles, we've interviewed him on the show before, actually. He was one of our first guys that we interviewed. Way um, back when. That was a long time ago. I should call him again, see how he's doing. I think he has his own podcast he just came out with now. Everybody. He does. And they're, Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> and their mom's got one. Yeah. <laughs> we, Alex and I, are proud to be one of the first that were out there. We started, oh, it's been about three or four years now, Alex. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. But, um, okay, so cool. Uh, you're putting text me. You, you're, you were giving me some numbers before. And, um, you know, it's, it's the important thing about all this is, 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 testing it right and and doing mixing it up if you're sending the same letter to the same list all the time then try a yellow letter try an 800 fair offer number uh try a 24-hour recorded message try a text message um i know we we interviewed a lady kathy kinnerbrook um is also in florida is she in your neck of the woods tom i think she's on the other other side of the coast is is that the lady who has the perforated letter that you fax back yes yeah she i think she's in tampa so she does this letter that um, you, and we interviewed her, you can go look it up, but um, she actually has one of those, uh, a thing, a form that you fill out at the bottom of the letter that says, fill this out and either mail it or fax it back to us. 
and uh, they you know you put in your name and phone number, and uh, you actually mail it. So that's been working incredibly well for her. She says she prefers that over yellow letters. And she actually gets people that will fill out that form and put it in the mail and mail it back to her. She'll also have people that fax it in. So people still use faxes today. Um, And she's targeting an older demographic. Um, There's a lot of older demographic people in Florida. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So that stuff still works, believe it or not. Which, by the way, I got to tell you guys something. Um, we just started implementing this. I've been wanting to do this for a long time and I've been teaching people to do this for a long time, but every time a seller, we talk to a seller, we're now starting to send them a letter and a contract. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so we, we, we just started doing this and, and, uh, my wholesaler friend who, who talks to all the sellers, um, he will just put a task in Podio, send an offer for 13 grand to the seller. And usually they're worlds apart. Um, but he'll write a task in there for my VA to send an offer, and he just throws up. He just he just picks a number um, that I don't want to say pulls it out of his butt, but that's what he does, right? And uh, so anyway, we sent the, about 150 of these the other day, and we got one back. The guy just signed it, didn't even call us or anything. He signed the contract and sent it back. Fax or and, email? Uh, regular mail. Oh, regular mail. Gotcha. Yeah, just mailed it back to us. And uh, this will be a home run deal. We'll make at least seven or eight grand on it. And um, but yeah, that's that's huge with follow up. And the other thing we were talking about text messaging, um, the uh, was I don't know if it was you that told me this, Tom, but um, we just started having our VA every time he leaves a voicemail when he's calling a seller back, when he leaves a voicemail, he'll send a, a text message to that seller. Hey, is your house still for sale? You did tell me that. Yeah, time, that you? was, I mean, I'll tell you what, we started implementing that. I cannot tell you the response rate has been through the roof. Where do you text from? Call fire or where are you texting from? When I first started trying it, I was actually just from my cell phone. And uh, now what I do is my assistant, which I guess we'll talk about today is she actually does that. So if there is uh if there is no voicemail, we'll send a text message. And if I call up and I say, I left a voicemail, she'll automatically send a text through text call fire. How do you text? Well, through call fire. I didn't know you could text through call fire because I use them. Um, yeah, how do you do that, Tom? I have no idea. You have to ask Lorena. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the, that is awesome that I could say that. <laughs> We're going to talk. kind of cool you could say that, right? Yeah, I don't know how she does I can't believe it. it. Because uh, uh, last year, I would have told you exactly how I did it, and I would have probably lost two deals because I was so busy texting from Qualify. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm logged in right now and trying to see how we'll, to do it. <laughs> we'll, I definitely want to talk with you, Tom, about how you're using your VA. That's the whole reason why I first asked you to do this uh, interview, because you're just doing some amazing things. But the, uh, the important point is, look, if it's even just from your cell phone or if it's from Google Voice, right. uh, when, you, when you get – a voicemail from a seller. Nothing is, you know, here, here's, we just interviewed uh, Claude Diamond. Alex, you couldn't make it, but I just interviewed Claude Diamond and this guy's a master at sales. And we talked about this, how, how important it is. Every second you lose, you waste and calling that seller back the money. You're throwing money out the window. Absolutely. So when you, when you leave a voicemail, uh, just send a text message to the seller saying, Hey, is your house still available? Or I just left you a voicemail. Is your house still available? Is it still for sale? Then you can also, we talk about follow-up, right? 50% of your deals are going to come from follow-up. 
once a month, send a text message to all the sellers that you talked to. It said, hey, we talked a month ago. Is your house still available? Um, one of the things we've been doing as well is leaving voicemails. We'll use Slidial. Sometimes we'll use SlyBroadcast.com, and we'll leave voicemails to sellers that we talked to in the past. Hey, is your house still available? We talked a few months ago. So follow-up is so, so critical and important. But yeah, why not send them a text message? Because I know for me, you know, I get calls all the time. I get emails all the time. I can't keep up with my emails, right? But when someone ten, sends me a text message, um, I I look at it. I read it. It gets my attention. And I usually respond pretty quickly to it. Absolutely. The, the text messaging is so key. You know, it's because of the because of what you just said, which is you'll see it. And when we text out a property, um, you know, we just did this on a property on SunGlow. Um, I tried text messaging to my you know, thousand plus cash buyers and agents. We had 41 people show up at the property within an hour. Within one hour, we had 41. That's never happened in the entire time I've been wholesaling. I don't know. That's if awesome. Would, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. Um, we had multiple offers in, in no time at all. And uh, the texting is, I mean, email is okay, but texting is, oh man, it's just incredible, powerful tool. Well, one of the things that we use, I, we started having my VA use was, um, well, there's two things we're using. Uh, Vumber, I use Vumber a lot as my virtual phone number for um, all of our marketing, right? So we get it, every different campaign has a different Vumber, Vumber with a V, virtual, right? Right. And, uh, but did you know that there are apps, Vumber has an app for Android and iPhone. And you can send text messages and receive text messages through your Vumber's on your iPhone or your Android device. Oh, that's cool. So what one of the things what is it, a monthly charge for Vumber? Yeah, it's like ridiculous. I think there's a certain base amount, but every phone number you add, it's like two bucks a month. Okay. And you can text through there too. Yes, but you can only do it from the iPhone app. That's oh. Or the Android app. You can't do it online. No. Uh. So, But my VA in the Philippines has an Android phone, right? Oh, and, nice. <laughs> uh, so he uh, just threw Wi-Fi, right? So he's now sending text messages to sellers through his Vumber app on his Android phone in the Philippines. It's awesome. And um, it's it's and any res- any SMS responses um, are put into the website, which then gets sent to Podio, and they become new leads in Podio. The other thing I'll tell you is um, one of the things I did with my because Google Voice has been getting really, really tough now. I mean, they've been kicking a lot of people off. Um, they've been, it's really hard unless you already have an established account. If they have any suspect, suspicion or hint of, of you sending the same text to multiple people, they're going to shut you down, right? Well, um, one of the things I did is I went and bought uh, one of those cheap prepaid Android cell phone mobile plans. And it's like 30 or 40 bucks a month. I get unlimited text messaging, right? And it's an Android phone, which I'm a big iPhone guy, but th- this is an Android phone. And with MightyText.net, um, once you connect your phone to your Gmail account to MightyText.net, you can send and receive text messages from the Internet, over the Internet through a browser. So what you can do then is you can give your VA access to your MightyText.net account, and your VA can send text messages through that phone that you bought that local phone number um, over the internet from wherever they are in the Philippines. Does that make sense? Right. Sure. 
So there's two options if you want to have a VA send text messages for you, because this has been a struggle for a lot of people. Um, MightyText.net um, and Vumber uh, with uh, with the Vumber app on an Android or a um, or a uh, iPhone device. And the Vumber is probably going to be cheaper for people as well. Yeah, I think we um, pay a nickel per text on from call fire. Although I remember Lorraine and I have having a conversation about that. So I, I'm, I'm assuming she still is using call fire, but I know they're getting a text, but you know, I also Joe just wanted to point out that when you said about the database and blasting them with a, or I guess blasting is not the right word, but just sending a voicemail that also, I will tell you, I've never not gotten a deal when I've done that. Um, every single time I've sent a, a, a blast of voicemail, to every single person in my database, we've gotten a deal every time we've done that. We've done it four times, and it's so powerful. And you're using CallFire for that, right? Uh, no, I was using that. We use a, pro- a company called VoiceLogic. Oh, yeah, VoiceLogic. I yeah. used to use them. Yeah. And the and what you're doing is you're sending a voice blast message right to their voicemail. It just says, um, yeah, it says, hi, this is Tom. We spoke a few months ago about me possibly buying your home. If your home is still for sale, please call me back at this number. If you're not considering selling, if you're no longer interested in selling, no reason to call me back. And that's it. I did that for one of my partners in, um, on the other side of Florida. And uh, he said he was saying the same thing. It rocked. They did really, really well. And they got a couple really solid buyers out of it. They got a couple good solid leads. They're working on them right now. Yeah. But they got some really good buyers out of it for some reason. I love it. It's uh, yeah. We've gotten we've gotten a deal every time we've done. We just we just did it about uh, six or seven weeks ago. That's actually. Oh no, I don't know if it was that property, but yeah, we just did one and we got we've already gotten I think t- actually two deals come from. I, I have to check my campaign report, but. Yeah, it's it's a it's a home run. That that you do that to that, everybody in the database, or um, just um, or do you do that to people that called in? So um, every single phone call that was as a we use high rise, so we tag them as a seller. So uh-huh. every single person who has a seller has who has a seller um, tag. What I do do is so we don't the first time we did it, we included cash buyers and agents, but that seemed to not work. So now the only tag we do that to is the seller one, which is great because one thing we do in my business is I don't call back the people who don't leave me a voicemail. So this is a way just to get an extra touch for those people. Right. So the people that call in and don't leave a voicemail, you send it out to them as well. Right, those people are so. If you call into my company and you don't leave a voicemail, you won't receive a call that day. Um, but what will what will happen is you'll get a text message that day, and that and then and, th- and that's new for us. But what would happen previously is you'd be put into my database with a seller tag, um, and then you'd be hit on that voicemail blast. The, do you get a lot of? Because um, the thing is, what if you've got people calling in saying, "You call me again, I'm gonna call the uh, district attorney and all that stuff," and then all of a sudden you send out a text to this person or a voicemail to this person. Have you had to deal with that? <laughs> sure. I, I exactly, as a matter of fact, I have a letter here um, that I got. We actually got a, we got put on, we had someone complain on the do not call registry list. Uh-huh. Yeah, so at first I was freaking out. So I called the guy. His name was Anthony. He was super friendly, the guy at the city or whatever district he worked at. And he just asked me a simple question. He said, well, did you call them first or did they call you first? And I said, they called me first. He said, can you prove it? I said, not only can I prove it, Anthony. I said, but I'm going to send you the voicemail. So I actually attached the voicemail that this person left us because this particular person had left a voicemail. 
And um, he had an advertisement up on Craigslist, so we sent him the link to, to Craigslist, and we sent him our recording. And uh, he's like, "Don't worry about it. Everything's fine." And it, the I called him up, and, and I followed up with him later on, and it had just gone away. So. I would say that uh, the one thing we do do, if somebody ever calls and says, take me off your list, we Lorena goes in and takes him out of the database completely. Entirely, they come out of the database. So there's no chance of us accidentally reconnecting with that person. What if you um setting up a new mailer again uh, from scratch? Are you just using the same list or do you um, – you know what I mean? If you go in and re-pull a list to get more people in, right. how do you you got to scrub those people against that list or what? Sure. So, well, I, I'm, I'm faced with that situation on a weekly basis because we really yeah. Don't have, yeah, about 30,000 really total is even if you include the people with, with almost no equity. So um, what we do is if you get taken out of the database, the, the mailing we send, we don't pull their address out. So if you call us, you're going to be put back into that same exact system. But typically, I haven't run into a situation where we've sent mail, they've got put in, asked to be removed, and then called back again. Now, I don't know that for sure because once they're out, they're out. But it it seems like unless they're calling to say, take me off your mail list, it hasn't happened to me yet. So I, I don't know. I don't want to give you any information that's not 100% accurate. But I can gotcha. tell you that you know the, the, the phone list and the mailing list aren't interactive with each other. So I'm not suppressing one against the other. But yeah, so I was freaking out with that do not call list. And um, yeah, we're safe. I mean, we're not... The only thing you have to worry about really is if you're running some kind of a telemarketing campaign where you're just calling people out of a yellow pages. That seems to be um, from what I understood from the letter I received from the department of whatever it was, code, um, They that seemed to be what he was really worried about. You know, he said, well, how are you getting these people's phone numbers? And I said, hey, this guy advertised a house for sale on Craigslist. I buy houses. And uh, he left he, – you know, we left him he, – he called us first. You're telling me. A guy that advertises that he – this is another investor is the one that reported you. Well, you're pretty close. It was a wow. – it's a big broker up in Vero Beach and uh, it's a town just north of me and uh, that's really what it was. Um, I went oh, into he's just ride. being a dink. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's his – what's the name of his company? Oh. No, you can't do that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I will tell you I looked at my high-rise notes. And on my, on my high-rise notes, um, I wrote, this guy is a jerk in my notes. So uh, we had apparently had a conversation about a year ago, and I had written down then at that point, and I don't remember the conversation, but for me to write that down, um, you know, sometimes you know, brokers and agents, they can not be friendly with you if you're a wholesaler. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> so – yeah, don't let that scare anybody with doing marketing, doing aggressive follow-up because um, within the boundaries of the law, of course, right? But follow-up is so important. And just as something as simple as sending a letter after you talk to them, hey, it's great talking with you. Um, I understand now is not a good time for you to sell your house, but if circumstances change, you know, here's an offer. We still, we still would love to talk with you, right? Oh, that stuff yeah. works. I mean, what percent of your deals, Tom, do you think come from follow-up? Someone who I, called six months ago and said no then. Yeah, I would say, and I haven't measured it, but just from a knee-jerk reaction, I would say it's about 50-50. Um, the, the, the letter, I send a signed offer with that's time-sensitive, and that I can tell you I get about four deals a year uh, from doing that because people always say to me, you know, is that worth it to send out to every single person you send, you know, talk to, send them an offer even if they're far apart? 
I will tell you, I don't do a ton of deals with it, but the deals I do do are some of my best deals come from sending out a time-sensitive written offer. And the story I always like to tell is I had a property on Salaz, which is a, a, a house here in Port St. Lucie, and the guy wanted 80000 and I wanted to give him 24000 I sent him the offer, and it ex- had expired. He called me after it expired, and he said, hey, I know this expired, but can you still, you know, if you're still willing to buy the house, I'll sell it for twenty four. And I said, well... I just bought some houses. I can't do 24, but I can do 18. And he said, great. And we locked up the deal at 18. It was fantastic. And um, we made a huge, I mean, it was, I think it was like a $17,000. Actually, that's not true. We actually ended up locking the house for 14,500 because when I got there, there were some other issues with it, but it was a home run deal. So at that point, I didn't really believe in it. Todd kept telling me to do it. As a matter of fact, he would say, just do it, just do it. So I would do it. He would call me a few names in the in middle of that, but <laughs> stop being a you know what, <laughs> just do it. So, uh, but I ended up doing it. It was it's awesome. I, I every single person that comes in that calls, uh, if they are not immediately motivated, where we go visit them or lock up the deal, they get a written offer in the mail. Awesome. I want to ask you a few more questions, Tom. And then, do you mind if we did this as a two part podcast? Yeah, no, no, no problem. Sure. Because I really want to talk with you about your VAs and how you use them, and we're not even. We haven't even <laughs> talked about that yet here. Um, can you talk real quickly, though, about uh, yellow letters, postcards? What kind of list are you sending to? What are you finding is giving you the most success right now? You know, Joe, I'm glad you asked me this question because, you know, I, I do coaching now. And, and I cannot tell you how many people send mail to absentee owners. And I literally, I cannot wrap my brain around this. I do not know why people do this. Um Here's the deal. If you own houses that you're not living in, you're usually not desperate. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't desperate, motivated, tired landlords. Um, I'm not saying there aren't. But I'm saying that if I have an entire community of people and you're going to say, you know, hey, some people have issues and there's a percentage of every group of communities that have these people, um, you know, I don't think that they're represented very well in the absentee owner community. So I will tell you 100% hands down my best list or my owner occupied list. Uh, there's no question about that. So what I do is I use a different, um, I use a whole different strategy. I use um, a different list company that a lot of people aren't using. Um, and basically it, what I do is I do other variables that I think are more of an indication of motivation. Uh, the first thing I do is I mail to age. I think age is important. I've done close to 200 deals and I don't think I've ever bought a home from anybody in their thirties. So why are we, I don't know why we're sending all these people mail who are, you know, just, you know, so that's, that's the first thing is, um, I started with 50 years and older. I just recently have been testing 40 to 49, which has been awesome. Because I also now can do subject to deals and rent to owns and other things like that, I also have changed my equity position from 30% to 100% rather than the 60 or 70 to 100. Um, I don't pull out, I don't separate absentee owner or owner occupied. I really don't care if they're owner occupied or absentee as long as they're in that age group and they're that equity range and they're single family. <clears throat> I'll sell to them, I'll, I'll send to them. Also in Florida, we have condos and duplexes and things like that that are pretty popular. 
Are you excluding condos, by the way? I'm just curious. Um, I do and I don't. It depends. Um, they're very, very, very difficult. So you have to be specific about who you're mailing to. The, the problem with condos is that in, in Florida, a lot of the condos don't – you have to be approved to purchase. Um, and they have uh, very high restrictions on uh, – very tight restrictions on leasing. So it really limits your buyer pool. So I don't really do them a lot unless I specifically mail to one condo association that I, I really know and I happen to know who the board members are and things like that. So this is really interesting um, and I love this. We've been doing the same thing now for the last couple of months and again, getting fewer calls but quality versus quantity. Right. That's the key to it, right? Um, so the percent equity, because that's different in each county, right? Some counties, for whatever reason, um, if you do a search for 30 to 100% equity, only a few properties will show up. But knowing that th- one-third of all homes in the United States do not have a mortgage on them, right? Right. So that's 33% of all homeowners don't have a mortgage. So are, is, the counties that you're looking at, you get still pretty good numbers, with the percent equity lookups, or are you having to do some other things like maybe the last date sold or whatever? Yeah, so I, I definitely put in the last market sale date because when I'm doing 100% equity, I don't want somebody. And actually, a funny story is when I first when when I first was training with Todd, we did a mailing, and I pulled my own list from. At that time, I was using ListSource, um, and I pulled the first list, and I did 100% equity, but I didn't put a, a timeline, and I only bought a portion of the list. So everyone I was calling. <laughs> They're like, dude, I just bought my home for cash like three months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they're like, "Uh, come on, what's going on here? But I did find some good cash buyers because I didn't stop at the first stop sign. Come on, come on. So, uh, so we we did. um, Yeah, but last market sale date is, um, you know, I I fool around with that number, but ten years is usually a good line for me. um, You know, a good parameter. I will tell you too, if you really want to go after the absentee owner market who are motivated, the best list to pull is the garage sale list, which is like phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that's the list. If you want to pull absentee owners, so all you do is you just have your VA. It, I will tell you this the list is extraordinarily time sensitive. So you have to mail that mail out that same day. Um, and what you do is you just go on to Craigslist, you go to the garage sales, you have your VA pull all of the garage sales that are happening that day or that are scheduled for that weekend. And, uh, you just basically put, she puts it into the County website. She will see, you know, you can see, I send it to everybody now, but you, if you want to do just absentee owners who are about to lose a tenant, um, or the tenant's going to skip out of town, um, you just have it run against the County. You pull the address and you send a mail and that's it. Um, are you are you still doing this, Tom? I am. I just got a deal from that just last week, uh, the week before last. We we were doing that as well. And we we stopped doing it because it's we found it was very seasonal. Um, so like in the spring and summer, a lot of garage sales, but things really started slowing down in September. Um, so I don't know. I I, I don't know why I stopped doing it, but um, we did get a couple deals out of it. Yeah. So in, you're in Florida. It's not really seasonal. So that's yeah. Well, a fantastic idea. You're finding people who have a garage sale or an estate sale. And everybody should go look at estatesales.net, I think is the website. Estatesales.net. And you can sign up on their notification email list for whatever county that you're in. And uh, a lot of times they will, well, they will, that's like the number one site to go to for estate sales. And you can um, 
get on their email list and they usually will announce the address of the estate sale a couple days before the actual sale. And so you can have your VAs go in and uh, mail letters to those folks. Very cool. It's great because the, and I would recommend anybody who's out there thinking I'm going to save some money and just go directly to the garage sales. I don't recommend doing that because the, the best deals on garage sale lists are going to be where the landlord doesn't really know the tenant is moving out. So they're kind of skipping town without paying rent. And that's what we've found. So um, going to the garage sales, the land, the t- tenant's not going to give you the ones, the deals that you want, the tenant's not going to give you the owner's telephone number because most times they're leaving and your letter is hitting them exactly at the same time. The neighbor's calling them and saying, Hey, by the way, do you know your, your, your tenant just moved out and left a mess in the front yard? Um, so they're super motivated. I love it. You know, I, it's something that I, I, a friend brought up to me when I was out to lunch one day and I, I didn't really realize how powerful until that following week I was at a, I, I was at a house and I saw in the, that the house I was buying had just had a garage sale. There were signs all over in the garage. Um, so I think it's, it's a great list. I think, you know, it's a simple list to find. It's totally free. Um, so anybody who's starting out and, uh, you can do it just to absentee owners or you can do it to owner occupied and absentee. Uh, I like to do it to both and I found deals, uh, with both. That's fantastic. Every time I've stopped at a garage sale to look at stuff, which isn't very often, but when I have start talking to the homeowner and, and I'd say eight times out of 10, they're, they're leaving in unfortunate circumstances. Um, right. They don't really want to move. Either it's a, an estate, you know, a probate where somebody's passed away or they're, um, you know, they're having to do a short sale or, for, or, or, or um, downsize into another home. Right. But um, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, we, we do that for, that kind of answers the list question as far as who we're mailing to. I've been doing a little bit more focus on subject two, so I've been fooling around with the equity position. But um, I would say as far as a sequence of mail, we typically mail one, every time I buy a list, we mail it eight times. Um, the first mailing that we always send out is the small postcard number nine from Michael um, at Yellow Letters. That's the one that says urgent notice, houses wanted. Um, so that's our first mailing usually, and that, that works fantastic for us. We get a, um, a nice solid response rate and a, a very solid conversion rate. Um, and then we have other different things that we try depending on the list. I, I do use the inheritance list from U.S. Lead List, which I do uh, I do like that list. If it's available in your county, I definitely recommend that list. That's a That's a solid one. Nice, nice, nice. Tom, you've been awesome. I love your enthusiasm and excitement. It gets me excited about real estate. And uh, Great info. I, Great info. I know a lot of people here appreciate you, Tom. You're an inspiration. You're an encouragement to a lot of people. And uh, we appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. All right. So, guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Uh, we'll give you some really cool show notes in there. And I'm also going to have, um, if you go in there and um, – in the show notes, you'll see a place where you can get Tom's uh, secret list source, wherever it is, somewhere out there. <laughs> but uh, it will, yeah, go to the show notes and we'll tell you who that is. And uh, we'll also put in the, um, the actual mail pieces that Tom is using. Um, and I think, you know what, this, you mentioned yellowletters.com. I'll have to talk to Michael, but I used to have a coupon code that gave people 10% off. And, uh, I need to contact Michael to see if that's still good. But if it is, then I will put that also in the show notes. So it's a 10% coupon code that I have with yellowletters.com. And um, 
I'll put that in the show notes as well. So guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check out our Fast Cash Survival Kit. And go to iTunes, please. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. If you like it, let us know. We sure appreciate it. All right, guys. See ya.